Hi there. This is the All HR Podcast, where we share best practices in HR, how we have been doing things different, answering your burning HR questions, and not forgetting some fun entertainment like HR Horror Stories. Today's episode is a recorded webinar hosted by Natalie, who's in the customer success team at All HR. She's here to speak to the CEO of Aksa Afin Life Insurance, Rohit Nambir, on how to protect oneself and to plan for the future. If you always wonder what's the best way to prepare yourself during these unprecedented times, this webinar will give you the tips and tricks on how to do so, financially and mentally, as we embrace the new normal. So stay tuned, and without further ado, let's get started. Today's webinar is organized in conjunction with NDEX 100 Go Digital Program. And similar to our other webinars, today's webinar is also a part of HG's Business Continuity Digitalization Initiative. Um, yeah, so hi, um, you know everyone like since March we've gone through six phases of movement, movement control order in Malaysia and I, I have a question for every here, uh, everyone here, you know by now do you think that you're really prepared for the pandemic, you know financially, mentally and your overall well-being? I'm sure some of you are here today because you want to find out more how you can be more prepared or maybe you're still not sure whether you are already, um, you know, for whatever's coming. And we are very glad that we have a very special guest, um, Rohit Nambia, um, the CEO of AXA Afin Life Insurance, to join us today. Um, hi, Rohit. Hello, hi, Nat. How are you? Great. How about you? Very good. All set to talk to people. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure everyone is also looking forward to this. Um, and um, just for everyone's information, you know, Rohit began his career at AXA as an analyst and has more than 15 years of experience working across um, various departments and roles within a few countries, India, Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, and Vietnam. I was just talking to him, you know, that, wow, she, he's very open to like, you know, traveling around and um, open to new job opportunities. So we, we are very glad that, um, that you can be here with us today, especially I think for the young people and also the SMEs, um, um, our audience today, um, to talk about you know how we can actually protect ourselves and also plan for our future during this pandemic. And hopefully, we can also get your insight into some of the you know key lessons that SMEs or even insurance companies have learned from this crisis. And I think what what more important is that moving forward, what what can we do? What are the action plans here, right? Um, so yeah, like um, maybe I can just ask you with a launching question first. Do you think yourself is you know prepared for this? Um, do you think the companies now are prepared you know for for whatever is um, happening um, now? Well, it's a mixed bag, right? I don't think any one company can say we were totally prepared for this. But at the same time, established companies uh, were well geared to handle a crisis. Um, mm -hmm. I remember um, there were some funny stories in Malaysia, of companies actually asking employees to take desktops to their house in big boxes and you know all of these funny stories. But jokes apart, um, for us, for example, uh, the company I'm uh, currently uh, linked mm -hmm. with, yes. um, you know, we didn't, um, we came to know about the lockdown on a Friday evening. Saturday morning, we had a call, and on Monday, mm -hmm. we were all working, and we were working from home. The reasons mm -hmm. were 
uh, we had a very strong crisis management and risk management setup, which was mm. preparing for an, une- in, an event. Did it prepare for an event so long? No, I don't think any of us expected this in our wildest imagination. Yeah, um, it is a one in a hundred year event. Um, since the Spanish flu, we've never seen this kind of an event. Um, so I, I think, uh, but at the same time, I think the strong crisis management meant we can work from home. Uh, people were used to working from home. People had laptops, people had soft phones. So we use Omni from DG, for example, as our soft phone. So none of us were suddenly worried, oh, we don't have hard phones with us. Who's going to call us? Which line? Um, mm-hmm. We had most of the capability. So it wasn't new. What was challenging was the human aspect of it, which is okay. obviously when people are working from home, you're not you're not seeing people. And when you have video calls, most people switch off their videos um, and you don't know if the person is stressed, happy, not happy, etc. Right. Um, I'm always worried about those people who I broadly divide them into silent silent people. They could mm-hmm. be silent critics, they could be silent observers, they could be silent sufferers. I don't know. So um, one of the things I did do was I insisted on having uh, weekly um, time halls, something we never did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason is just to communicate to them what is happening, what what should they be thinking of. And yeah. we also had smaller group interactions in groups of 15 and 20 employees. Right. Um, and we also had a chatbot launched called Amber at this point in time. So the chatbot used to, and it's, it's machine learning enabled, the bot used to contact employees to just do a sense check of how they feel. Well, you might ask, why do you need a bot when a person can talk? But we are all different. Human being, there are three kinds of people that are auditory, kinesthetic, and vocal and visual people. So I we can't use one approach for all the people. So yeah. um, that's why you know we've embraced quite a bit. So it's been a great learning journey, I think. Um, for me, as most people say, I don't think um, we will get a bigger opportunity than this to uh, make a, a change in our lives. Right. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think like even for myself, um, um, I think at DGX, we also adopt, you know, like similar um, check-ins with employees and we have stand-ups, you know, among teams. That's very helpful, um, not just talking about work, but also ask like, how's everyone doing? And um, being given that platform to also share uh, about um, our, our even personal struggles. And, and that's um, very helpful um, because I think especially this time, um, everyone is stressed out. Um, so um, that, that comes to like how, I think as employers, um, we can also help our employees to perform better when we care about, um, you know, their, their lives as well, right? Um, yeah. I, I think I think this whole pandemic has taught us one very important lesson, which is as an individual, we can only go so far, but as a team, we can go much further. Why do I say that? Um, as leaders, this was a period when we had the least answers. So the mm-hmm. old philosophy of as a leader, you should know everything, which is not at all true. A leader has to be the most vulnerable person in the organization, in my view. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, I know 1% and I don't know 99% of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my job is to facilitate the others to come together to find solutions for 90% of problems that we face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that vulnerability was really exposed during this time for many a leader. 
some who didn't embrace digital, some who didn't know how to manage the financial risk aspects, some who didn't know how to manage the people aspects. So all of us were challenged from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's about what did we do to equip ourselves with new skills to be able to manage the situation. Right. Um, now that you mentioned about you know challenges that um, as a leader or even like a company is facing, there are just so many things going on. You have like increased, um, you know, risk, um, whether it's supply chain, uh, whether, you know, like the tightened cash flow, or even, you know, just making sure that you, you manage to keep your talents around um, and also worrying about any, uh, you know, financial constraints. So how, how would you, you know, like advise a leader to tackle, you know, all these areas all at the same time? It's so overwhelming. Less is more. Less is more. Um, you know, it's 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 the fact of life. Um, of course, my team would say we don't have less. We, we we aren't having less enough. But at the same time, we are prioritizing constantly and removing stuff which we can't do, or it doesn't add value. Um, mm -hmm. So the focus really has to be in doing lesser things and doing them really well. Um, right. That's the key. And as leaders, I can tell you, we are um, across the board, especially in the industry I come from, terrible in prioritization. We mm -hmm. uh, tend to do everything. Um, so I think the biggest learning for us all is um, how can we be more nimble? How can we be agile in the real sense of the word? People, mm -hmm. the new age millennials have been telling us for a long time, but we never listen. So suddenly now, Projects which took eight months, 10 months, 12 months, we are able to do that in three months um, in a much cheaper way, much more efficient way, because everybody understands this is a, a question of survival now, uh, mm. so there is no choice. And, and as I wrote in one of my blog articles about leadership, the beauty about mankind is we are at our best when survival is in question. We discovered mm. most of the things in life when we are on so when it's a question of survival, and that's why I do believe that in this phase of life, yeah. we will have more productivity benefits than ever has been had. Because I've read article after article from economists which say in the last seventy years, the productivity across the world has increased in very low single digits. The reason mm. is the cream of the cream, the DGs and axles of the world, the productivity goes up. But then the 50% of the workforce, which is in rural, agriculture, et cetera, their productivity is actually reduced over the last several decades. So overall, as a country, productivities have hardly increased in the last 70 years. And I think this time around might be the single biggest improvement or increase we've ever seen. Right. Um, you know, like if, if you give that flexibility of work, because um, you talk about millennials and right now, um, when people talk about millennials, then think about, oh, we want flexibility in our work hours. And then we have a question here from um, our audience, uh, Sean. Um, I think they also want to know about the expectation. So he asked, even till date, many people do not have a clear understanding of what the right expectations are when working from home. So how do you monitor their status and well-being? Great question. I think this question I, I hear interestingly quite often. Actually, right. the engagement rules haven't changed. Uh, the The problem is people, we had too many managers who weren't equipped to manage people. We still live in a world where we manage by time and not manage by objectives. If your objectives are sharp, 
they are smart, which means they are specific, they are actionable, they are time-bound, they are measurable, you shouldn't have a problem. And I always review objectives from time to time, and I notice mm-hmm. that many objectives are very flaky, and I don't like flaky objectives because uh, both sides, it, it's left to both sides' interpretation, emotions, bias, and many other things. Mm. So to the question from Sean, I would say, Sean, nothing's changed. Whether you're working from home or whether you're working in an office, the key discussion you need to have is what is the objective I have? What do I need to achieve? How does it fit into the larger goals of the team and the company? And how am I going to be measured and by when? And these need to be very specific. The second one is please have regular check-ins. It's very important to have regular check-ins. I insist on fortnightly one-to-ones with all my team. And during the one-to-one, what we discuss is what have you done in the last fortnight? What are you going to do in the next fortnight? And what support do you need or challenges you face? Now, some people may do it even more frequently, some, but I would say there has to be a minimum level that we have to do. The third part of it is your development is in your hands. And I've said this many times. 99% of your development is in your hands. So if your manager or your leader is not having that conversation, you need to make that conversation happen. You can make that conversation happen by asking the other side to have the conversation or forcing the other side to have that conversation. But we owe it to our staff as mm-hmm. leaders if we employ them to give them that respect to tell them why have we employed them. If right. my board doesn't tell me why they have recruited me and just tells me you go and fly on your own, um, it's unfair on it's unfair on me and them because I will fly where I want to fly and they may not want me to go there. So I think it's very important to have that conversation to align on what mm-hmm. are your expectations. Right. So the alignment of expectations has to come from both sides, right? Um, it, it cannot be just like one-sided. So the leader has to like actively communicate and also, um, I, I would I use the word like empathize uh, with the situation so that they can make you know better decisions in the employee engagement. So, but um, I think the best way is if, as employees, we all think that it's not up to the leader, it's up to me to figure this conversation out. Half mm. of the problem. Because then, oh. you know what, is this going to work? Because I'm going to do it with, with my board. My ex-com will do it with me. Their team will do it with them. And then it's going to be a much easier place to live in because each of us are worried about our own development. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you want, I can talk about some examples I've had. In yeah. my past, I've always insisted on this. If I, I, I had a manager who didn't believe in what to once. I can give you an example. And before that, I had a manager who was extremely structured, um, who used to meet every fortnight. He had a template I had to send him before I meet him when I was in Hong Kong. And then mm-hmm. I, I, I went on to a manager who doesn't believe in what to once at all. So what I used to do was I used to check with his assistant, when is he available? I used to just turn up at his office at that time and insist, this is what I'm doing and this is where I'm going to go. Uh, if you don't tell me anything, I'm going to assume I'm going the right direction. So, you know, it's the, the, your development is in your hands. So make it happen. And with that, we conclude part one of how to protect oneself and to plan for the future. If you're interested to catch part two of this recorded webinar, where we'll be talking about being realistic of how your business is currently doing in order to strategize on the best way to solve your current business's problem, keep a lookout for the next episode.